Welcome back to the Republic of Football, driven by the helpful North Texas Honda dealers. It's their job to be helpful. I'm here with my co-host today, Ishmael Johnson of Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Ish, did you hear that? That was the sound of sponsorship. <laughs> we are very big, man. indeed. We are very thankful. The North Texas Honda dealers have come on as a sponsor. However, we still don't have. Probably from lack of effort, we still don't have a, a theme song. I had someone, I had someone uh, tweet me that we need to have uh, "Deep in the Heart of Texas" sung by you. Sure. <laughs> I, if we're gonna have that, we're gonna have to go deep in the heart of our pocketbooks as a company <laughs> to have that as our theme song. But uh, we might take that sponsorship and just hey, listen, if you if you've that. got a band, you want some pub, and your song would work for our show. Let's make it happen. Let's do it. But again, we are very thankful to have the North Texas Honda Dealers on as our presenting sponsors. Should be a great partnership. Uh, we got a great show today. The big headline, Texas coach Tom Herman will be joining the show later today. We'll also have a couple Texas players. Andrew Beck, who's got a great story, he will be uh, joining the show. And also Charles Omenihu, who said no to the NFL draft taking place later this week. Uh, and he's going to go for another year at Texas, terrorizing quarterbacks on the defensive line. Um, we should start with Texas. We'll get to some draft stuff later. The spring game was this weekend. Uh, I came out of it with a couple observations. I think the first thing, they really need Keontae Ingram. Yeah. <laughs> the, running backs, the running back situation is dire. And you can chalk up the offensive line as a problem. It is. They got to get better there. I think Calvin Anderson will help them, but that's more of a pass blocking issue. They just don't have anyone dynamic, you know, at running back. Um, you know, Daniel Young, Tony Carter, those guys are are fine. Some ball security issues there. We saw them in the game, but they they don't have that guy. Yeah. Um, and they need him. And is Keontae Ingram that guy? We don't know that he's not that guy. Right. But I think we know that the guys on campus are not that guy. So. <laughs> You know, you hope against hope. What did you come away with uh, this weekend? Yeah, that, that definitely that they need Keontae Ingram. And, you know, watching him over his career at Carthage, the guy has skill. The guy's one of the smoothest runners you'll ever see. So, you know, they could see kind of a J.K. Dobbins effect at Ohio State where it's like you don't really know what you're getting because obviously that step up to, to you know, Division One top uh, Power 5 FBS is a significant jump for anyone to make. But if you can have something similar to J.K. Dobbins had at Ohio State that freshman year, they could have something there. Uh, the thing that kind of kind of stood out to me was how the quarterback battle really is still up in the air. And as as kind of expected, I don't think anybody expected anybody to stand out from spring. But I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what happens through fall because I can't. I don't think Tom Herman can get away with playing the yo-yo thing again this year. Um, I would like to assume Ellinger would eventually win out just because I think the offense with him at the helm it has a higher ceiling. Uh, we see Sam. We saw that Sam Michelle had uh, 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 the offense looked okay, right? He 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 has the better ball. He has the bit more accuracy. Obviously, he has the more experience. Obviously, leading the offense. But I just think, and I feel like it's kind of uh, seeping into the minds of Texas fans. The offense just looks a little too vanilla with him as opposed to obviously Ellinger with the more physical running style. He has that dynamic to him that you can open up the offense a little bit more. Um, neither separated themselves, though, at the spring game is what I kind of thought. Yeah, if they can't run the ball, it's going to have to be Ellinger. He right. was their best running back last year, which is not at all what Tom Herman wants. Right. 
Uh, I'm with you. I think Ellinger wins out. I just think they're, this offense is, is better designed with him there. If he can cut out the big mistakes, I honestly think that's it. You know, I think I think you go. I think you start the season with him. If he starts making the big mistakes that lose you games, we, we mentioned in last week's episode. You know, the the USC fumble was huge. The, the interception against Tech. Those, those are mistakes that it's not fair to say you lost in the game. But right. those are mistakes. If you don't make them, he you has, win he has that a game. Turnover problem. Yeah, he might it's have a very fair. Problem. And and maybe that's part of being a freshman. Right. Maybe that's part of who he is. We'll find out. Well, even though, like, even going back to his days at Westlake, like he he's that gamer type of quarterback, right? He's the guy where you're like, he's gonna try to fit it in the window because they're down three with three minutes to go right and he need they need to get in field goal range or something so you're gonna live with that he's gonna fight for the extra yards he's not gonna go down you know he's gonna try he's gonna risk the fumble against usc uh so it's gonna happen and, with, and again with shane michelle you're gonna have the guy who's more conservative with the ball works the ball sideline to sideline things like that so it's just about what he wants from the offense and what he wants from his signal caller um you know if it if it is ellinger you just have to live with the turnovers probably <laughs> Yeah, and I think too people are making a a, a big deal of, of little Jordan Humphrey's day in the mm-hmm. spring game. Yeah. It's fair; he's been good. I think, um, you know, I, I want to believe in Colin Johnson. He just seems like he's the guy who could be an elite receiver. Looks the part. But you know, when I was down in Austin, uh, you you kind of talk to people, you ask around, like they're not super high on him. I think mm-hmm. everyone knows his potential is there, but Tom Herman is not a guy who's afraid to rave about people. Right. You ask about Brecken Hager. He might stop talking at some point later this week about how much he loves Brecken Hager. <laughs> uh, you ask about any of these guys. He's not afraid to rave about people. You ask about Colin Johnson, the thing that keeps coming up is, you know, he needs to be more consistent. It's not, oh, he's a, you know, he's a freak. He's, right. you know, he's an unguardable. Oh, just he wait. should be that guy, yeah. We've seen the flashes from him. You know, we, uh, you mentioned, you know, USC game last year, obviously his brightest uh, moment. He's got that potential. Can he be that guy consistently? I don't know. So it's... You know, if Lil Jordan Humphrey is your best receiver, is your best offensive weapon, mm-hmm. how great is your offense really going to be? That's true. We'll find out. I, I think it's it's great that he's productive and he can be that guy, but, you know, I don't know that he's the guy that you want getting 10, 15 targets a game. We'll find right. out. I mean, yeah. there's so many unknown quantities on this defense or on this offense, but, you know, I, they need Colin to be that guy. He's right. got the upside that I'm not sure any receiver – uh, sure. On campus has maybe Duvernay, but I don't sure. think so. I don't have the size. Me and you were talking earlier. You mentioned Colin Johnson has that upside, and Lil Jordan Humphrey doesn't necessarily. He, he's going to be fine, right? He, you mentioned he could be probably a thousand yard receiver, right? Which is perfectly acceptable, right? You would love anybody who would want a receiver who can guarantee at least a thousand yards. Medium Jordan um, Humphrey, medi- right? Right, <laughs> and um, and so. Yes, you want to believe in Colin Johnson because he could be that 1,415 touchdown, like, you know, at, the, at his peak potential. But we've seen a lot of those guys flame out, right? We've seen a lot of those guys where it's like, ah, that he looks the part, doesn't quite put it together. And then, you know, the the little Jordan Humphreys of the world don't get necessarily appreciated as much just because they are they don't have the physical tools to perhaps be the, the eventual pro prospect that we see somebody like Colin Johnson. So, you know, we'll see. Um Obviously, there's a reason why people like little Jordan Humphrey, just because he is doing the work and people are seeing the actual progress. And, you know, I do want to believe in Colin Johnson, too, because, man, this offense could be so much fun. <laughs> this offense yeah. could be so much fun if he breaks out. He could be. So we'll move on. The NFL draft this week. Before we get to this year's draft, I, I'm fascinated by the draft process, <laughs> uh, figuring out who's going to work, who's not going to work, how things look in hindsight. And I don't think that anyone would doubt that late in Art Briles' tenure, they were truly dominant. Right. But the fact that no one in that era 
was even close to what they hoped that they would be in the NFL is really interesting to me. Sure. Like, the run of Baylor busts is fascinating. Right. I'll, I'll run through it. And the thing is that there's there's not even a common thread in any of these guys. It's all something different. You know, you go back all the way to 2009. Jason Smith, second pick. Didn't work out. Not really a Bryles guy early on in the tenure. But obviously, didn't happen. Right. Uh, you know, two years later, you got Danny Watkins and Phil Taylor. Both first-rounders. Danny Watkins retires, goes back to being a firefighter, retired, public enemy number one in Philadelphia for a little while. <laughs> I remember I ran into him at the um, opening of McLean Stadium, and I, I wanted to talk oh. to him. It was right after he retired, yeah. and he straight up like was like shooing me away. He would not talk to me. Uh, I just want to write about like it's very interesting that you know you you pocket the money and retire, mm-hmm. never really had that much of an impact, and. Uh, I mean, that's a wasted first-round pick for the Eagles. They do not like him. <laughs> Phil Taylor, that same draft, you know, he's he's still in the league, but it's still – if you draft a defensive tackle at a first-rounder, you'd like to, you know, have him there. Uh, the next year, 2012, Robert Griffin III, we've talked about him on the show. Injuries probably um, the biggest reason. Clashing with the coach. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff. It's a complicated we've, – we've, we've covered this. Right. Kendall Wright, again, still in the league – moderately productive but if you're spending a, a first round pick on a receiver you'd like them to be more than like a 600 yard right. he was he was a year solid guy. yeah he was a fine. solid but again first round receiver and that's right. the thing he might be like the best draft pick of the Bryles era ooh yeah when you put it, it that really way. might be you know you you've you've got guys like you know Stuart Richardson the next year was a fifth rounder mm-hmm. but even you know in in 2016 you had Corey Coleman Xavier Howard it's very interesting, just like how many guys they put into the league, yeah. and even the late round picks. You know, guys that were like all Americans or high level guys, like you know Spencer Drango. Uh, you know, Lake Seastrong, not a high level guy, but certainly an, an athlete. You know, um, Terrence Williams, guy Cowboys fans might be he might be public enemy number one. He's on he's near the top of the list. <laughs> yeah, Frustrating the, player for them. Yeah, the fact that you might be, I mean, as far as the top three goes, you're probably looking at Kendall Wright, Terrence Williams. Xavier Howard, probably, and that's pretty. You know, obviously, we'll see what Corey Coleman turns out to be. He has a quarterback now; he's going to be healthy. But I don't think anyone has high expectations anymore, just because coming off an injury hurts. Obviously, and you're talking about a top fifteen pick. Too. You're talking exactly. So you're you're talking about someone who needs who kind of expected to be. You know, you expected to be the thousand yard receiver eventually. Man, that's a, that's an interesting top three considering where they were. It's crazy. Like they just had so much talent. Bryce Petty, we didn't even get to. Yeah. Fourth again, rounder, again, but you're, still, again, you're, uh, you're also missing out on, I mean, Josh Gordon. Yeah, right? who, and like again, like he's the, the guy best. who has actually been good, but he was he wasn't even in the program for that so long. I, he's a better pro than he was at Baylor. Exactly, yeah, when he's true. on the field. That's true. That's true. So, yeah, that's interesting. I I'd never thought of that. It is crazy. How like I, I it's were. it's sort of the, I mean, because of the way the Browns era ended, I think it's something that people don't talk about that much. Sure, but I just sure. find it interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's that they had so many, so much talent. They won 32 games in three years, two Big 12 titles. They obviously had it going. They were turning out NFL talent. Mm-hmm. And just for a variety of reasons, none of those guys worked out. I, I don't even mean it really as a criticism because that's not Bryles' job necessarily uh, to put guys in the NFL. It's, it's a recruiting Baylor, pitch, right? but his job is to win games. I don't think that Baylor fans' feelings are hurt by, oh, man, Corey Coleman's not working out in Cleveland. Right. right? They don't care. <laughs> and that's fine. 
uh, but it's just interesting because it's it's not one thing. It's it's a little bit. Of, it's something different That's for every single yeah. guy. Some of us some of us want to be firefighters in Canada. Ish. <laughs> I don't particularly want to be. Uh, if I was an NFL lineman, I I, I might not want to be. But who hey, had, who had Bryce Petty still in the league over Robert Griffin the third? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, it, it's just fascinating. On this year's draft, we'll we'll, we'll touch on the quarterbacks a little bit later. Yeah. But sticking with Texas, who in your mind? Sticks out to you as the most underrated Texas kid in this draft, a guy that you think Ooh. people are sleeping on. I really like. I know why he's fallen quite a bit, but there's no reason why Malik Jefferson shouldn't be a first round pick, in my opinion. That's a bold take. <laughs> That's a bold take because you look at what the draft, and I'm going off of, I'm going off of my 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 previous knowledge of of draft process and things like that. He's a guy who should have just jumped up randomly on like scouts tables like whoa look at this guy right he runs this what i don't know is 40 times but like he you know he he's a physical freak i think it was he, sub four six in there yeah so it's like that that's that's first round talent linebacker wise i'm not saying he lived up to the hype necessarily at texas he he was he was solid he had a lot of hype coming in he it, it is odd that you can win big 12 defensive player of the year and still like on probably uh, the best defense in the conference like, uh, you know, i don't i'm, I'm not gonna help i'm not gonna let gary patterson talk <laughs> that's right but I, <laughs> you yeah. have to agree with that they but, were a good defense right, they were right. fine they were they were second best i'll give him second best defense behind tcu um yeah and like he's what talking maybe second third round yeah that's a little weird to me okay um just because of what the NFL needs from linebackers, you need to be able to cover athletic tight ends, slot receivers. You need to be able to rush the passer, right? And Malik Jefferson, I think, has the athleticism to do all of that. And I'm surprised some team like, you know, I'm just, you know, snowballing here, but some team like the Patriots who need defensive help aren't looking at him and like, you know what? Yeah, sure. Why not? Let's give him a shot, right? Mm-hmm. Some team like the 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 Vikings or the somewhere late there was like, yeah, why not? Why wouldn't we take this guy? I'm surprised that he's fallen that far. That that's my that's my take. Um, I'll go I'll go two names. Sure. I'm gonna go with the the people's choice. Oh. And I'm gonna go with the, the hipster choice. Okay. What, what do you want first? What do you want first? Give me, give me the deep cut. Give me the hipster the deep choice. Deep cut. <laughs> the deep cut is a guard from an 0 and 12 team. Oh, my boy, Will Hern- my boy Will Hernandez. Will Hernandez. Yes, sir. I got okay. to spend a little bit of time with him in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. Talk some people around him. I just think it's hard for – first of all, he rocks the neck roll, which oh, come on, I man. hope come he does in the yeah. NFL. I come hope on. so. You got, you got to. He was doing it in Mobile. Um, but I, I think it's hard for a, a guard on a bad UTEP team to really get a sense of, I don't know, hype. I mean, mm-hmm. it, Well, you're already the most overlooked offensive line position. Yeah, the so. most overlooked offensive line position – in a place that no one goes to on a team that not a lot of people watch, that's right. tough. Right. But I think you you look at a, a handful of things. Number one, this guy was an elite recruit who just had some academic issues. He was probably going to end up at one of the Arizona schools or a USC. Mm-hmm. It was a late qualifier. USC said thanks, but no thanks because we're USC. He ends up at UTEP. So he's a guy that that this is not a Cinderella story necessarily. Right. Maybe a redemption story of kinds. Right. Number two, he spent. Four years, uh, well, not, I don't know if it was four. I forget. Sean Kugler, uh, Max, our fearless producer. How many years did Sean Kugler pull it at UTEP? So he spent a lot of his career with Sean Kugler, an NFL offensive line coach, mm-hmm. who is now again an NFL offensive line coach with the Broncos. Um, 
that helps you. Four years of, of a guy that knows what it takes to be an NFL uh, offensive lineman. And then additionally, you're talking about a guy that just demolished big school guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Tyquan Lewis right. at I- Ohio State. He was outstanding at the Senior Bowl. And I, I'm just excited. I, I, he might have snuck into the first round, maybe, mm-hmm. but it looks like he's probably going to be a second round guy. Maybe somebody falls in love with him and, and reaches a little bit. Right. I think he's going to be a guy that not a lot of people know, a name that doesn't have a lot of recognition. Um, but I think a guy that that he could be, you know, a Hall of Famer. Um, and I, I, I'm fascinated to see what he does. The mainstream guy I will go with is Mr. Christian Kirk. Yes, you he's falling out of the first round. Yeah, of the box. It, it, really he might slip out of the first round. It's going to be close. That's surprising. It is. Um, for one, you have the, the the speed, which is baseline. You got to have. I think he's a, he's an absolute game breaker there. Yeah. But he's so smooth, and he's a smart guy. He's a bigger body. I love his route running. He know he's going to be able to get open at the next mm-hmm. level. I think that's a skill that just really gets overlooked sure. in the draft process of guys like okay. I don't care about his measurables as much. Like, that stuff's important. Can he get open? Mm-hmm. Can he get open? Sure. And I think Christian Kirk absolutely can get open. I, I, I don't know that he's on, like, the Brandon Cooks level of getting open as right. a college player, but he was an elite guy at creating some space, give your quarterback a window, and if you're a guy, especially like him, who if you're going to be going late in the first round, early in the second round, he might be going to a good team. Right. And if he can slide in and be like, oh, I'm your slot guy, I'm your second, your third option on a team mm-hmm. that's a you know that's a thing where you can really have like a six seven hundred yard rookie season and set the stage for a, a great career I, was about I think he's being overlooked i think he might be a top 10 talent yeah because i mean as somebody who had to watch a lot of texas and this year they weren't fun <laughs> no christian kirk was fun yeah <laughs> they weren't fun and he did not have the best quarterbacks thrown to him either so uh you know if a team like i'm trying to just think of who's late jacksonville right they need a receiver right now Oh look, Christian Kirk's there at twenty-eight, whatever they pick at, right? Yeah, that's good. that's a perfect spot for him. Yeah. Um, another name that's falling. I don't want to say he's underrated, but he's falling more. Is Davenport? He's falling into the twenty range, and I'm like, that's a guy who should be a top ten pick. Maybe I think he might be a project. I think people have been underwhelmed with him. He didn't turn heads at the Senior Bowl. That's I think fair. He, that's, that's right. That's fair. I think he. I don't know that you would call him a project, but I don't think he's a guy that's going to walk in. Like a like a, you know, like a Joey spotter. Bosa and be right, like right, right. this guy. Like, I don't. Th- it'd be hard for me to see him winning Rookie of the Year. I sure, think he's sure. Got a, I don't think he's, he's got to perfect five. his technique. I think his upside is as high as any pass rusher in this draft. Right. I think he's still. You know, I think he probably ends up being the second edge rusher behind that, Chubb, but we'll see. Right, right. I think because I think I've seen I've seen Harold Landry start to get ahead of him in a little bit. He's starting to get into that twenty twenty five range, and that's a little that's like five spots too low. I think yeah. for him, and I, it will be interesting. He doesn't really have the most. Um, compelling personality i mean he's just right. a quiet he's a, he's an unassuming guy right um and so we'll see he'll be fascinating yeah. i will ask you this mm-hmm. before we move on no. how would you rank the quarterbacks the big quarterbacks what oh. order will you take these guys in okay so okay um i think we're both josh allen haters yes <laughs> <laughs> so first of all josh rosen's lot no i'll go from one uh josh rosen oh man Baker, no. Josh Rosen, Lamar, Darnold, Baker, Allen. Interesting. That's my pick. I would go, give me Rosen first. Mm -hmm. He's accurate. 
He's already had plenty of practice for I'm being ask on you a question about Rosen in a bit. Okay. okay, he's already got plenty of practice yeah. in being a good quarterback on a bad team. That's basically <laughs> been his entire career. Right. He got beat up for two years, no running game. He's a confident guy. Um, I'd go Baker number two. Okay. Then I would go Darnold. Then I would go Lamar. Mm-hmm. Then give me Josh Allen. I I watched him late in 2016. I watched him, you know, briefly in 2017. He had some injuries that, that cost him. I saw him up close at the Senior Bowl. I mean, I, I get it. Like, the velocity is impressive. Right. He can throw a ball, you know, 70 yards, whatever. <laughs> the strength downfield is impressive. But he's Jamarcus Russell. Like, that's who he is. How many quarterbacks have you seen whose best asset is his arm strength? That's just kind of like icing on the, t- like, on the so, top. So we, I'm, I'm going to go with one name. Actually, let me see. Because, I mean, you could say Joe Flacco, he has a Super Bowl ring, but you can you could argue that whether or not Ravens fans are happy <laughs> that he yeah. has that he's still with the that team. That can be but like, the a one, small part of why you're elite. It can't be your thing. The, right, I was about to say, the one quarterback that's worked out, that has worked out for, is Matthew Stafford. Like, he has a big arm. He Detroit fans, would they would love to keep him. They're not mad that he's still there, you know. I think that's the one quarterback, but the problem is he's the one quarterback, and how many quarterbacks have we seen? Uh, the one question I want to ask you about Josh Rosen, though. Has there ever been a quarterback who's kind of exposed the draft process more for being as ridiculous as it is than Josh Rosen? Because he's to, to, to us and to me, looking at Josh Rosen's pedigree and everything he's done, there's no way he shouldn't be by far the number one quarterback taken. But teams are afraid of him because he's smart. <laughs> And he doesn't need the NFL. He and comes, he he comes need, from wealth. He, right. Like, like that. that's so strange to me, is that teams are afraid of this guy because he has he's an independent thinker and he doesn't cling to the NFL like it's his lifeblood. Yeah, I think he's upset the power structure a little bit. I, I think that he makes people in the NFL uncomfortable. Right. Which says a lot more about the NFL <laughs> right. than it says about Josh Rosen. Right. Like, I, I do find it funny. And, and the thing is, like, some of these fears – so, like, to go back to um, Myron Roll is a good example. Right, right, yeah. People Florida talked State. about how much does he really love the NFL. Well, I don't know. And, and he gets knocked. And then, well, okay, Myron Roll's not in the NFL now. Right. So, like, yeah, that's kind of stupid, but is it totally unfounded? It's, oh, it's, like, it the- is what it is. I, I, you know, the NFL is – if you don't love football and you aren't all about the NFL, it might not be for you. Maybe that's – and, that's and the fact that people – I think that, I think what, what makes me frustrated is that people take that and then they they project that as this is a this is a character issue with this guy. Right, like, No, right. he just likes other stuff too. It's right. like he just has to be really good at football. Because, like, I think the, 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 the big three with this, at least with the – at least with the draft hype, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, right? Baker and Lamar are kind of going later. But, I mean, it looks like that Rosen's going to be the third picked out of those three. It's like possible. It, it, and that, that, that's what's a little crazy to me because you look at the quarterbacks who have come out since Andrew Luck, I'd say, would be the, the last consensus guy. Like, Josh, I would take Josh Rosen with any of those top quarterbacks that have come up. Pro- I'd probably put him second behind Andrew Luck. I don't know if I'd go that far, but he's I good. I probably would. I think he's good. He's going to be fine. And so <laughs> – I don't know. Like that, it's shocking to me to see the draft process nick him because, you know, he does he doesn't quote need football. He's smarter than I. It's really weird when I hear some when I hear you know when I read some scouts say, well, he thinks he questions things. It's like good. Like if a coach isn't putting him in the right position, he's gonna be like, yeah, that's that shouldn't be really why yeah. right. And I don't know. That it's really frustrating to me. Um, yeah, uh, Sam Darnold. I think Sam Darnold's a solid prospect. Um, I think he's going to be 
he could end up, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being the second best quarterback. I like out the of Romo class. comparisons with Darnold. I see that. Yeah, if see he's that. he's he's a he's a gunslinger. Yeah, he, he, there's a reason he led the what did he lead the country in turnovers, right? Total turnovers or something like that. Something like that. Because the fumbles and all. I mean, he's he's gonna be a guy who's you're for better or worse. You're he's gonna want the ball in his hands. They asked him to do a lot this year. Exactly. Um, and then you know Baker, I like Baker. Uh, supporting cast obviously was great, but I still like him as a player. And Lamar Jackson had a better year with worse talent. Like that, that's yeah. that's the thing that that's the thing that separates me for Lamar uh, Lamar Jackson was he had a worse better year and everybody else around him was worse. And he was still awesome. The only so. thing that makes me nervous about Baker is how much of that is Baker and how much of that is Lincoln. Because I think very highly Fair. of Lincoln. And, that, Lincoln might and, be the, and we'll find out. We'll Lincoln find might out. be a top three offensive mind right now in the game. Yeah. So, that's so we'll move on. we got to touch on this. A late addition to the show. Uh-huh. I'm going to – this is me putting up air quotes. There's a college football video game <sighs> in the works, supposedly. Not associated with EA. No official licenses. The concept is it's a new game mm-hmm. with blank canvases that you could, in theory, not saying anyone would do this, of course <laughs> not. Of course not. Add names and mascots to. There's going to coincidentally be about 125, 130 teams on the game. Right. Someone mm-hmm. m- might <laughs> say turn Oklahoma Tech into Oklahoma State. Right. Who knows? Who knows? It's up to them. Let's just. This this, I saw mostly enthusiasm on the internet for this development. Yeah, shockingly so from me, from uh, in my opinion. I feel like it's just people, you know, if you're if you're trudging through the desert and you see a muddy cup of water, <laughs> people might be excited. Right. My enthusiasm for it is tempered, uh, th- mainly because these things are hard to do. You know why NCAA was a great game, or why people loved it back in the day? It's because it was a great game. Mm-hmm. You can't make a bad game and put, you know, you can't slap a Bama slap on this. it, and yeah, people are going to be excited. Oh, Here it is. Like there are so many bad football games. It's the the engine is the biggest thing. Uh, ish, I think we both play Madden. Yeah. The engine it has its flaws, but there's not that many things you can exploit. It's a fun game. It's a fundamentally good game. It has its issues. Mm-hmm. But it's football. You know what you're going to get from that engine. Yeah, it's good. Right. I just don't. I don't believe that a, a fledgling company can make a game that people are going to enjoy. Maybe right. I hope I'm wrong. Right. Here's the thing that 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 frustrates me the most. Full price tag, sixty dollar price tag. It's asking a lot. You're asking an unknown maker to come in, and essentially ask. He's at, they're asking the users to do all the work. Right. This game is pitched as you can make NCAA. 20 or 19, whatever it is. Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, you can make college football game 20, <laughs> 2020, right? Here's the template. You Here's the template. The- and they're asking you to basically build the game. Un- unbeknownst to us, what kind of engine, it, like you mentioned, what kind of engine it's going to be. If this, especially in the age of Fortnite and these free-to-play games, that's kind of crazy, asking them to pay 60 bucks for this game where you're doing most of the work. And especially when 2K, I believe in 2008, did something similar. Uh, they did all when they didn't have the license. Uh, EA had. Oh, the I license. forgot about that. They did all Pro 2K8, but they only charged twenty bucks for it because they knew they didn't have the licenses. They had all these other legends and all that, and that was kind of cool. Yeah, you can customize that. One of my roommates in college played NFL 2K5 yeah. until like 2011. <laughs> Just kept <laughs> updating the roster. Right, but that was the thing about NFL 2K. It was like it didn't have. It was a good game, but it was only twenty bucks, twenty thirty bucks. If you're gonna do something like this, you got you can't go full sixty dollar price tag now. 
This game's what two years away, a year Along, away. Well, so I'm skeptical that it ever makes it to market. But if, if I'm being does, honest, if it does, I think that's the one thing that's gonna go is that price tag because sixty bucks you're paying for you're paying for Madden. Only way I'm paying that is if the reviews are outrageously right. good. Right. Exactly. If the reviews are outrageously good, but even then. You're doing most of the work yourself. Yeah. Well, someone games. else is going to. I'm going to pay them five dollars for your information. But <laughs> there you go. Fair enough. So yeah, we will see. We'll see. I, like you said, I don't think it. I don't think it happens. I don't. Th- every the news that was released today was this game's coming. Sixty bucks. I think some major changes are happening if that game's going to come out. Just play Madden. Set. Just, just bite the bullet. Play just, play, just play NCAA 14, man. It's still yeah. Works. People are still making rosters. Our fearless producer Max touches on it. It's it's. We, I've we heard worse great, things. We made a great uh, state championship simulation with it. Yeah. NCAA 14 is great. It's still a good game. I don't I, have a 360 anymore. Here's a problem. Here's, here's what solves the problem for everyone. Just make it backwards compatible for the Xbox. Yeah. One. That's and all your problems are solved. Yeah. Turn on the. If you gave me NCAA 14 servers. on the PlayStation 4 and you could add all the rosters. Turn on the online servers for the. For I'd, that. I'd probably play it. You're good to go. People are still charging. 60 bucks for that game on eBay. Anyways. Yeah, you're good to go. Uh, so moving on, uh, we I went to SMU last week. Sonny Dykes will be on the show in the future. I think next week will be uh, Matt Rule from Baylor. Um, very interesting. I learned a lot. I think he's glad to be. I say back in Texas, he spent last year on TCU staff as an analyst, um, but running one of the Texas programs. He's a Texas Tech alum. His dad, obviously, the legendary Spike Dykes at Texas Tech. Uh, we'll we'll get into that in interview later. I took uh well later in uh, a later episode that is. I took a few things away from it. Um, one he loves that he has got the little things to make things work. Mm. I tweeted about this a little bit. One thing I took away is you know he was talking about I've got an amazing support staff here. He can do all the little things. He said, and when he was at Cal, he had three hundred thousand dollars total salary to fill out his support staff. Mm. At SMU, he's got $1.6 million. He said he has four people who just do social media. Those are interns probably not being paid that much. But, but the point a- remains. And he told me a story after we were done talking. He told me a story. He said, uh, so when I got to Cal, you know, we got this new stadium and we were making these renovations. He's like, and there were these pictures that were leaned up against the wall. Um, when the stadium was first starting, I was, well, we'll get those, you know, we'll we'll get those added onto the stadium, and, mm-hmm. and we'll get them hung up before too long. When he was fired, those pictures were still leaning up against the wall in the stadium. <laughs> and he, emblematic of the issues at Cal that there were just so many organizational things, and I think he feels great that yes, maybe your ceiling's lower in uh-huh. SMU, but it's a program that I think is in lockstep. I think the I think the the narrative around SMU is that they weren't committed to football, and I think at times it's probably been true. Sure, but I think that's turned as we saw June Jones reignite the program. Obviously, didn't end well there, but Kurt, uh, Chad Morris got it going a little bit better. I think you saw SMU is a great power five, or a great group of five job. Mm-hmm. I think other than like Houston or Boise, is there a better job besides SMU? You think probably the Florida schools. Yeah, what? Well, yeah, that's right. They're in the American. So yeah, UCF outside, and USF you know, are better jobs outside of those. But outside of those, because Florida, well, I would say there. Florida's comparable to Texas in the sense that there's so many schools yeah. with so many resources, ton of talent. Are, to right, go exactly. You can so, get guys. Right. So yeah, UCF, USF, Boise, Houston, probably better jobs than SMU. But yeah. other than that, I'm not sure that there's anyone better. You got that's the fair. history factor. You've got money. You have a scaled down also, version, you got, but good you got the private school factor. And the, yeah, the private that, that, that's a factor. So I will say, like that might put them on par with some of those other schools yeah. that we might rank ahead of them. 
uh, in traditional sense, but you have financial support that you might not have at those public schools. So. Exactly. Um, but he loves it there. He's he just seems really like vibrant, and he's he's a laid back guy, but mm-hmm. he just seems like. This is great. Yeah. And I think he one of the interesting things is this spring they went 300 live snaps tackling to the ground. Hmm, to get more physical. Uh, I mean, if you watched SMU, if you watched that, SMU last year. Yeah, that, probably fair. They they, they they struggled there. But very interesting. And they got out of spring with no injuries on okay. anyone that's going to affect them in the fall. A couple okay. guys got banged up, but that is fortunate. That's yeah. rolling the dice and and coming up sevens. That yeah. is you got to feel really good about that. Sure. So th- he's a happy man. Yeah, and I think I think partially is obviously how it ended at Cal, right? I don't think he ever really – you mentioned the support system. I don't think he ever really felt that they were committed to that style of football, the, the Bear yeah. Raid and all that Great stuff. It's, it's amazing. I hope you love screens. I, met, I wish SME would change the name to the Bears just so he can keep that name. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> They're trying to go back to the Pony Express. Makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, no, just, I don't. Uh, don't. Just I don't know what you – that, Let that be in the past. Mayor Raid. Oh my goodness! <laughs> That's a- I don't think I made that up. I think I saw that. I'm going to take credit for it. I'll trust the internet to correct me. I don't think <laughs> I made that up. I think That's, I saw that somewhere. SMU, else. you hear that? If you go with Marraid, I don't care if you thought of it first. <laughs> I actually thought of it first. Um, but like, I think yeah, I think it's it's cool to be back where he feels comfortable. I think he just feels that they welcomed him back too. Like, because when Sunny Docs was hired, we were kind of like, "That's an interesting name." Nobody thought it was a bad hire. But people thought, oh, that's interesting. We thought they'd go younger. We thought they'd go, you know, maybe uh, just an up-and-comer. But they went with an established guy, and obviously they felt comfortable with what he was doing at Cal because they were like, oh, yeah, bring that over here. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And I think that it's cool to see him happy because, again, the way it ended at Cal, I mean, he produced an NFL was probably a top a young uh, up-and-coming NFL quarterback over there, and he, you can't say he did a bad job. You know, yeah. He, went he had five a go on Louisiana Tech, too. He had a great uh, yeah gig before that at La Tech. So, like – you know, I think he feels comfortable after that, you know, uh, misstep. I think he just feels happy to be where he is. And I think he might be more comfortable in the group of five. Yeah, you know, maybe. From La Tech. And back in Texas recruiting. And back in Texas as well, his recruiting hop, uh, recruiting base. So, you know, it's cool to see him. I, mean, I, I don't think anybody expects SME to really miss a step just because him and Chad Morris, is, while there are differences, obviously, in, in philosophies, there's still enough consistency to be able to kind of pick up where they left off and keep going. So. Yeah, the players really liked him. I think yeah. they, they appreciate his simplicity. He's mm-hmm. very straightforward. I think they really like right. that. Um, so that gets us to this week's guests. We've got a Texas trio of Longhorns. Um, enjoy talking to these guys. First up, we will we'll hit on uh, Andrew Beck. He's a, a tight end that doesn't catch a lot of balls, but you talk to people around Texas, and he might be the most valuable talent on their offense. Um Tom Herman, I said he's 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 not afraid to rave about people. You talk to him about his offense. He says, "Well, maybe we got maybe we got some NFL receivers. Maybe we got some NFL guys in this offense." But the only one I'm comfortable saying is an NFL guy. The guy you're about to hear from, hmm. Andrew Beck. Last year he missed with a broken foot. Um, he's got a really interesting story and a a great story about coming back this year. Uh, I enjoyed getting to know him. It's easy to see why he is sort of one of the representatives for this year's team. So, without further ado, here is Texas. Tight end, Andrew Beck. So I'm here with uh, Texas tight end, Andrew Beck. Andrew, you know, you, I think, were obviously a guy that people were really excited about last year. But for you, what, what was, what, walk me through what it's like to have so much buildup. Coach Herman gets hired. It's exciting. The season's, you know, a week away, you're the starting tight end, and then you go down with the foot injury. Kind of what was that like for you? Um, obviously, it was tough, you know. It, 
we were, we were all really excited going into the last year, and uh, and you know, I it's hard, it's hard to put it into words because it was real. Like I remember, I jumped and got hurt and just kind of hobbled over to the sideline. I was like, "There's no way my luck is this bad," mm-hmm. but uh, but you know, I think that excitement was one of the things that pushed me through rehab and kind of helped me out a lot and has kind of transferred over this year, especially coming off the, off the big bowl win. I think there's more excitement going into this season than there was going into last season. What's, uh, what were the kind of the, the few days after that like for you? Uh, it was a lot of self-evaluating. I talked to my parents a lot, talked to the coaches a lot. You know, I got an unbelievable amount of support from everybody in this building. Um, and, you know, they were very helpful, and they've always said, you know, if, if you want to come back, you know, we, we have a spot for you. Like, you know, if you, this is it for you, we completely understand, but if not, you know, you're welcome uh, to come back. So they were always great, and I never really got pressured into anything one way or the other. They kind of were very clear that, you know, this is your decision. Obviously, this has happened a couple of times to my foot, so they were very helpful. And when I finally decided that I did want to, you know, get the surgery and rehab it and come back, uh, it just continued. They continued to be very, very helpful. The training staff, the coaches, everybody. Uh, other players, uh, you know, the younger guys in the tight end room were all really helpful and encouraging and supportive the whole time. So it was really cool to, you know, it, it really felt like a family the whole time I was going through that process. What was the best piece of advice or, or the, the most, uh, just the thing that made you feel better <laughs> early on? When you know you're missing the season, it's tough. You have to deal with that reality. But was there anything that, that you heard or somebody said to you that, that was like, I think I can get through this. Yeah, it was actually actually it was my dad. Uh, it was a couple of days after the surgery, and you know, or not after the surgery, after I injured it, before, long before the surgery. And well, because I called him when it happened, and when I found out, I was like, I think this is it. Like this is the third time. I was like, there's, you know, it's not looking good. And he called me. He's like, when you were a little kid, you came to a Mac Brown Texas football camp. And he's like, and ever since that day, it was your dream to play at this university. He's like, you have one year left. It's like, don't let the world take away your dreams. They're trying to crush, pe- crush people's dreams every day. Don't let the, you know, don't take it away from yourself. So ever since, you know, then I, that was when I was kind of like, all right, man, you're going to, you're going to do this and come back and play one more year. And, and like I said, when I told the coaches and the trainers, they were all very supportive and kind of helped me and you know, did everything very, very well. Mm-hmm. What was it like for you sitting and watching, especially considering how, how thin you guys were there and, and guys that, that were, especially was, guys that weren't right, quite ready? It was tough. I think after every game, I, I tried to walk them for a little bit. I was like, I could play <laughs> next week if I needed to. And if, every time the trainers and coaches were like, no, thanks, though. You get anybody <laughs> offering to donate a foot? You right. <laughs> I, was, I was like, how bad do I need the bone? Can we just put, like, a steel rod in there and I'd be good? And nobody seemed to agree with me. But uh, it was it was tough to watch. It was it was tough to watch because I felt like I could help, but on the flip side of that, it was kind of it was interesting to see a different perspective of. I learned a lot about not only this offense and tight end, but just kind of the game and hey, you know, what like why certain things work. You kind of pick apart why certain things don't. It gives you time to learn more about the game than when you're you know playing, having to get ready for the next opponent. You can. So I wasn't really having to do that as much. I could sit down and kind of figure out, like, you know, why do we run this play in this situation, things like that. So kind of learn a little bit more about the game. And I'd like to think that it's helped me out so far in the spring and going into the fall. I'm excited to see how it kind of helps me out, helps me grow and, you know, become a better football player because I really think that it was it was very beneficial for me last season to kind of be able to take the time. And, you know, obviously I want to be playing, but I think I 
the coaches and you know GAs and QCs and everybody really helped me learn a lot about the game. I think that's going to benefit me. Yeah, a lot. there's definitely perspective. I think in, in sitting and having to watch, and when you you kind of already know what you're doing, but then you see it from a different perspective. You learn a lot. What what were some of the things that that you did learn that you feel like you now have or that have sort of made you a better player? Um, you know, I, it's hard without getting into scheme too much, but like <laughs> technique wise, you know, you learn that. You know, versus certain kinds of players, you, there are certain things that work better and things that you can and can't do. And you know, I, there's different plays that we have that work better against different defenses. So it's it's little nuances like that that I kind of picked up on to help me out. Appreciate it, well, Andrew. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Hope you guys enjoyed that. Before we get to Coach Herman, we will have one more uh, player guest, Charles Omenahu. Guy who uh, was a terror on the defense last year. I think he will do that again this year. Came back for a, a Texas defense that, uh, as you mentioned, one of the best in the Big 12. I think they will. their front seven is going to be great. It, it very well could be elite. I think in December we could be talking about Texas, their front seven as being one of the best in the entire country. Top two or three. It's right. very popular. The talent is there. Yeah. Uh, I have a lot of confidence in Todd Orlando. I think he understands the spread. And Charles Amenehu is going to be a big part of that. I think Brecken Hager will ultimately be their best player, their most productive player. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw him absolutely tear it up uh, in the spring game, played a fantastic game. But Omenahu might have the most pure talent. Um, and so he talks to us about his decision to come back to Texas and what lies ahead in 2018 for the Longhorns. So I'm here with uh, Texas defensive end Charles Omenahu. Charles, when you decided to come back, what, what, what sort of drew you here? What made you want to say no to the NFL and come here for another year? Uh, well, first of all, uh, I talked to my parents about it and all, and we had long discussions and conversations about it. And uh, the main, one of the main points was get, coming back to get my degree here at the University of Texas. Uh, that degree holds weight and is very, very powerful across the nation. So having that in my, in my belt and knowing that if I came back, I'm, I'm going to graduate in December. So it wasn't much school left for me. So I knew it wasn't going to be bad. And also on the football side of it, uh, just to understand that if I come back, that I'll have a chance to be drafted a lot higher than what I would have been. And um, I'm not going to put any predictions on where I think I'm going to be drafted, but I'm pretty sure it will be a lot higher if I take care of what I need to do here. And also just um, the fact that I believe that this team, we're on an uphill go, you know what I'm saying? And uh, we're, we're, we look good, talented, and I'm just very, very excited for the season. I was excited then, and I'm excited now. What are the parts of your game that you're sort of focusing on as you prepare for the, for the draft next year? Uh, I'm just trying to be a better, better teammate. That's always the thing for me, just be a uh, better leader. Um, but as far as on the football field, uh, you got to start, start off by stopping the run, being playing a little bit better in the run game, um, being more physical with my hands. Uh, but then also uh, knowing that pass rush is very important in the NFL and how defensive ends like myself or a judge is off of that. So just improving on what I did last year um, on that and uh, improving my technique and improving on the moves that I know that I could do and use towards that fits my body that I don't think most, most offensive linemen can stop once I perfect that craft. Mm-hmm. When you decided to come back, you, you did it via video. I haven't seen that too often. How does that work? You say, hey, you know, I really want to make this uh, big. I want, to, I want to celebrate this. How does that work? How, did, how do you make the decision to, to announce your comeback by, uh, via video? I mean, uh, uh, I don't know. It just, it just came to my head. I know some of my friends that uh, decided to come back, we talked about it, and they told me their ideas and things like that. And I, I thought video would be nice, and 
kind of like when you watch the video, it's like a suspense because <laughs> you only figure out what I'm going to do when you get to the end. But I mean, it's just something uh, to for the fans as well to get them excited, and yeah, it's just something that. And again, I spoke with the coaches and Coach Herman; they help, also helped with the idea. So, well, what's it going to be like for you playing without uh, Malik and Puna here? I mean, those are my guys and all, but it's just an opportunity for me to just step in as a leader and um, feel kind of that leadership role for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they moved on to do what they need to do, and so I, and I decided to be here, and I'm happy with that. So I'm just looking forward to just being a leader on the defense and uh, trying to do whatever I can to help this team and help this university. Have you played with somebody whose name is more fun to pronounce than Puna Ford? Uh, no, <laughs> I have not. And I was in Mobile a couple months ago, and, and I talked to him there. He was really impressive to the NFL people there. What, what, I mean, what did you make of him not getting a combine invite? I think he was certainly on top of the list of people that was very surprising. What did you think when you saw that? I mean, I was, I was in shock. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't get why. Poon is an excellent player, man. Goes hard. Uh, very a good technician. Very, very good with his technique. Uh, respects the game and very very prideful about his craft and I was just surprised that he got snubbed like that but I know it just gave him extra motivation and more time to work on his uh, game and what he needs to do for pro day and he went out there and killed it so it's you know you didn't get invited to the combine that's you want to do that but he came out of pro day and did his thing and I'm pretty sure he impressed a lot of the scouts and teams. And finally how do you think you've changed uh, since we last saw you guys in the, in the Texas Bowl, you personally, where do you think you've grown as a player? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I think I've grown as far as just um, watching film, breaking down film, watching myself, uh, looking at the little things, um, being very detailed on what I did wrong, and then very, being detailed on what I did right and continue to work on what I did right. Um, and then also I've, I think I've I've worked and built on just trying to bring other people along because uh, I've learned film work and film study is very, very important in games So to understand your opponent. So uh, just, again, when I go back to the leadership aspect of things and trying to help guys and understand that, you know what I'm saying, we break down film, we're not just watching it just to watch it, we're watching it to find out the weakness of our opponents. So. Well, Charles, thanks for the time. It's, uh, it's been fun, and we're looking forward to seeing you uh, on, the f- on the field this fall. Should be I fun to watch. I appreciate you so much, man. So that brings us to this week's uh, guest, Tom Herman, guy who made a big splash coming back to the state of Texas and winning a ton of games at Houston. Uh, also, 2017 Dave Campbell's Texas football cover man. Talked about that experience about what he learned in his first year at Texas, which is a lot. Texas is a weird place. I think he's feeling the, the fishbowl a little bit. Um, and and what he wants to do differently and, and what the sort of goals are for 2018 and more. So without further ado, here is Tom Herman joining us on the Republic of Football, driven by your North Texas Honda dealers. Uh, so I'm here with uh, 2017 Dave Campbell's cover man, Tom Herman. I decided if you got... You're out of eligibility and um, getting a little gray like me a little bit. You're cover man. You can't be a cover boy. So, <laughs> what uh, what would you say was the bigger honor for you the last couple of years? Getting the job at Texas or finding out that you got to spend an afternoon at a cover shoot for uh, the Dave Campbell's folks? Is it close? It is close. Uh, you know the 
they're both really humbling experiences. Texas has been my dream job since I was exposed to this place almost 20 years ago as a graduate assistant coach for Mac Brown and, and his staff. Uh, but having coached at six other places in the state of Texas, I do know how iconic and important Dave Campbell's magazine is too. And so to be selected, the cover shoot was not fun. <laughs> so the way you phrased that question, it'd be an easy one. But just to be honored uh, to to be selected, to be on the cover was was very, very humbling and, and something I'll never forget. Mm-hmm. How would you sort of describe what this team did in, in 2017 in year one for you? Well, we played a lot harder than uh, the, one of the biggest compliments I get from the 2017 season from coaches and uh, press people, journalists, uh, TV people is, wow, you've got Texas playing really hard. And, I mean, as a coach, that's, that's a, about as good a compliment as you can get, that your guys play hard and physical. Um, now we've got to play better. We've got to coach better, you know, and we've got we've to find ways to develop uh, so that, you know, the, our effort and physicality kept us in games from maybe sometimes, you know, that the, the pundits would have said we probably shouldn't have been in. And uh, we found a way to be in those games so much so that six of our or four of our six losses we had the lead in the fourth quarter. Um, and so we got we got to find ways. We got to coach our guys how to finish. Uh, but they gave us great effort and, and great physicality last year. Well, was there something that you guys feel like you figured out in year one that you said you sit down, you assess the season, you say, OK, we've got to do X differently. Uh, we got to change this. What some of the adjustments that you guys feel like you're going to make as a staff going into year two? Well, we have two words uh, that's been driving the, the theme of the off season, and that's been finish. Because uh, we got to learn how to, we got to coach them how to finish better, and they've got to learn how to how to finish those games, those close games, uh, and then develop. We've got to develop uh, into better football players, uh, and you know the 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 thing that that I learned from last year that it's not necessarily a change that we would make, but um, much more geared towards development, if you will. And that's, you know, that starting at times five true freshmen on offense is not normally a recipe for scoring a lot of points. And uh, those guys gave us everything they got, but now it's our job throughout the off season to develop those guys uh, into players that can that can win those close games for us. Mm-hmm. I remember we talked last year, and I, I asked you kind of what success was in year one, and you, and you mentioned playing hard, make sure we had guys that play hard. For you, when you look into year two, uh, what, what is success for you? How do you define that in year two? I think it, those two words, if we've accomplished those two words, if we can, uh, instead of losing four games with the lead in, in the fourth quarter, if, uh, you know, in those one-score games, if we're, we're winning more than, than we're not, then I think that's um, at least you're on the right path to success. And then have we developed our, our guys better football players for having been in our, our program for a year? Mm-hmm. You know, you were part of it uh, at the start, but I think from where I'm sitting, Max streak really, I think, changed the perception of this program and, and raised up a, 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 a lot of Texas fans and, and raised the expectations. What do you feel like the expectations here should be? to compete for a conference title every year and which in turn is going to 
put you in position to be in the playoffs every year. And then, uh, you know, is the expectation to win a national championship every year? I, I don't know, maybe. Uh, but if you, you know, you got to get a few good breaks, you got to have that one special player sometimes when you, you get in the playoffs to, to go on a two-game win streak against the top three teams in the country. So, uh, but I think competing for and, and winning conference titles on a, on a regular basis um, should be the minimum expectation. Mm -hmm. What do you feel like is missing that you need to, to, to do in this program to, to get this program there? Well, I think you know, our, our new athletic director, Chris Delconi, I, I love him to death. He's already in just two, three months here on the job, has done so much uh, for us and, and for football in specific, but uh, we need better facilities. You know, if we're going to be able to recruit continuously at, at the elite level that we did this past season, uh, we, we've got to get our facilities up to snuff. As far as what we need other than that, I don't I mean, we, we got it. We got it. We got a great recruiting base in the state of Texas. We've got uh, the best strength coach in America, the best assistant coaches in America. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> we live in the number one city in America, according to U.S. News and World Report, pretty renowned uh, publication. And, you know, we, the kids that come here get a degree from one of the top 15 public institutions in the country. So uh, we, we need the facilities to stay on par uh, at the elite recruiting level because that's when championships come. Uh, but other than that, we, we've just got to develop what we have. What is on the, the sort of wish list for you on facilities? Where, where do you want to see improvement? The biggest one right now, because, you know, we, we, we redid our, our weight room and, and locker room last year, and so there, there's not much. I, I think we, we need to blow out a wall in the weight room somewhere and, and add a turf area uh, for Coach McKnight to, to run our guys a little bit in the weight room. But probably the biggest one right now for me uh, is – our training room and so for the, the nirvana if you will uh, for that room here in a couple years I mean that's going to be state-of-the-art um, recovery state-of-the-art um, preparation you know getting in there getting in the cold tubs the hot tubs uh, you know we're going to be able to go right from the, the shower into the cold tub into the hot tub we're going to have cryo chambers and saltwater float tanks and uh, you know, you name it, uh, we're going to have massage chairs, all of that stuff, because I think um, as much as these players put their body through for the University of Texas and, and for us as a staff, we need to be able to make sure that, that we're treating their body uh, the best uh, in the world. And we do a great job with what we have right now, but I think in a couple years you're going to see that facility itself be as good as there is in the country. Mm -hmm. Finally, what are, what are your sort of uh, what are the questions that you want to have answered in your mind about this team before you guys kick off in the fall? Uh, are are we better running the football? And we got to get better there. We got to develop our offensive line and our tailbacks. Um, do we have a true starting quarterback? Uh, and then probably defensively, it's, you know, it's going to be a very senior-laden defense, but we're also losing the defensive lineman of the year in this conference, the defensive player of the year in this conference, and 
a Thorpe Award finalist at safety and, uh, you know, an all-conference talent-type corner. So we've, we've got to see who replaces those and if we can get as much production out of those spots as we did last year. Tom, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. So, Ish, that brings us to the Republic of Football food corner. <laughs> the staple. I got some stuff to say. This Mad is gonna Max be a, this is a positive one. Head, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rip anyone this time. Ish, you're not a married man. <laughs> no, I'm not. I am. <laughs> and I don't know if people always ask you, what's the one thing people you know, what what do you, what did you learn about marriage? What do people not tell you? Here's what they don't tell you. Okay. An uncomfortable percentage of your conversations are about where you're about to eat. <laughs> like a lot. Okay. Okay. And I don't understand why the food court is not a bigger thing. I'm not talking about your mall food court. The mall food, you say food court, people, you know, they're looking at, at Frulati. <laughs> bad is giving me an bad, incredible look right now. <laughs> bad Japanese. <laughs> right, right. Your Manchu walks, if you will. I'm not Chick talking Chick about this. I'm too. talking about Legacy Hall in Plano. I went there for... I don't know, that's probably my fourth or fifth time on Saturday night mm-hmm. uh, with my wife. A fantastic experience. It always is. Have You have not, have you been there? I you, you're Irving, so it's a little far. Yeah. I um. did not get up there when I used to live in downtown Dallas. I live in Plano now. Okay. It's a little bit easier of a jaunt. We've gone there several times in just the last few months. I'm looking it up Pl- right now. I'm intrigued. Please do more of this, restaurateurs. Basically, imagine if it was like a food court, but it's all good places to eat, like great restaurants. And you can kind of just go wherever. Case in point, my wife loves pizza. Max loves pizza. I am not a pizza loyalist. Pizza's fine. We've had this conversation I know. There's been a lot of pizza chatter in the Dave Campbell's Texas Football. <laughs> I like, I, I, if, I had only, if I could only choose one cuisine the rest of my life, I would sit underneath the Asian food umbrella and I would enjoy all kinds of food. So here's here was my lineup. Tell me that this does not get your taste buds going. Okay. I went with a pork belly bow. Great. It was great. Awesome. Enter the bow. Fantastic establishment. Then I went to the Asian street food place there. I got three tenderloin skewers, which they dip in some sort of teriyaki marinade. I don't even know what it is. It's not even really a sauce. It's more <laughs> of a marinade, but I asked for extra because okay. it is delicious. And then I top on that, I go make a little jaunt over to the Peruvian Steakhouse, and I get what they refer to as the juicy potatoes, which are essentially fingerling potatoes with, like, butter and oregano. It's like they, it's kind of like a, it's not a pesto, but okay. it's kind of like a pesto. Okay. And they just swirl all the the taters up in this, like, <laughs> mix of butter and herbs. It's fantastic. What I'm getting is you just you just love to feast, man. We like, went to town. <laughs> it was so good. And then capped it's it. like a 12-course capped meal. It at press, <laughs> capped it at press. Well, it was more of a lesser tapas, if we're being honest. <laughs> capped it with the press waffle, the works, which is a... Topped it with the works. We don't have time to talk about my love affair with the liege waffle, but it's a liege waffle... With cookie butter and Nutella. Oh, my goodness. Strawberries, whipped cream. It's incredible. Oh, it's my so goodness. good. Okay. So good. Okay. It's like their signature item. One of the great desserts of our time. Okay. The food court concept, this needs to be more popular. Uh, get a food court, but make it good places. It, it's w- Legacy Hall, nothing makes me happier, I think, than walking in the doors and just <laughs> smelling 
everything coming together. You need to go. You need to go. I'll I'll give it a shot, but I don't. Man, I don't know. Something don't, something about don't do this. Something <laughs> I can <laughs> see it. <laughs> there's something. There's something about like like both like uh, again. I'm not a married man, but there's something about like deciding where to go and it's like bad coming man the, coming to that. Com- no, no, I'm talking about like when you get to that compromise five hours later, right? <laughs> of asking, what do you feel like? I don't know. People starve. They die every day because <laughs> they can't decide. About that compromise and other. picking a spot. And you're like, you know what? This is our this is our choice. And it, and it worked out. What it ends up being is you go to places that you don't like half the time. That's what happens. <laughs> see, I don't, that sounds like the problem with you guys and your, your compromises. Maybe, maybe <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I'm not. I'm not against. I'm not against the the the, the food court idea. The spe- specifically, the legacy hall thing. Right? It's a great idea. So, this seems to be. I I don't know of any others. I'm sure there are. They can't have invented this. Well, the, the problem is like if you don't get this level of food, you get them all. And then you get the Panda Express and the Chick Fil A's, and like then yeah. then, then that starts. You know, that, that's just but make that the high class food court it needs to be a bigger okay. thing. All right, all right. Final note: I saw some people that were at their prom that were there. If somebody asks me the prom <laughs> and they say we're going to the food court, we're no longer going to the prom. <laughs> I'm just telling you. I, I don't know if that will come in handy <laughs> at any point over the next you know however long my life will be. I don't anticipate going to more proms. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, hopefully not. not. <laughs> but that it just a preposterously bad idea to take a prom date there. It's very busy. It's a, a little loud. I'm trying to think, where did I go? I went to a Brazilian steakhouse. It was that's delicious. Good. Both oh, years. I went to the, the the restaurant inside the fancy hotel where the prom was. See now that's see so, that's good. Mainly because I didn't want to drive anywhere else. Yes, <laughs> so we I, can, I can appreciate that. So yeah, take them somewhere nice. Indeed, but not to Legacy Hall. Legacy Hall is delicious. Don't take your prom date there. <laughs> anyway, uh, that will bring us to the end of this week's show. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to Ish for joining us. Thanks to Tom Herman, Texas coach, Charles Omenehu, Texas defensive end, and Texas tight end, Andrew Beck. Great to have them on the show. Thanks to our fearless producer, Max Thompson, hitting all the buttons, doing all the stuff we need to. And, of course, thanks to our brand-new sponsor, the North Texas Honda Dealers. It's their job to be helpful. And thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in. Subscribe, rate, review it only makes the show stronger we can make a better product for you we'll see you guys again next week